0: O oh Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful me. For me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, what this tells me, what, what this psalm is saying here, is that there's nowhere I can go that God is not available to me. Psalms 55, 16, and 17 says that God is available morning, noon, and night. And 34.4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. One forty five eighteen says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. My favorite line from that song, Breathe, is lay down what's good and find what's best. See, God knows that spending time with him is what's best for us. It's why he makes himself available to us. He says, come on, sit down. Tell me about it. Just take a breather for a minute. And more than a physical breather, it's a mental, emotional, and spiritual breather that he wants for us. See, we don't have to cease our activities. We don't have to cease what we're doing, although we need to do that at times. Just his presence is what allows us to breathe. So what does it mean that God is available to me? To be available in the Old Testament carried the connotation of being near, of being ready, of standing by. It means that I don't serve an impersonal God who wound up the universe and let it fly. I'm not obscure. I'm not misunderstood. I'm not unknown. God is fully aware of every aspect of my life. Nothing escapes his notice. God understands my thinking He's aware of my reasoning process. He never misinterprets my motives. He never fails to know what I really think or why I do what I do. He understands my deepest longings. He's aware of my struggles at every level. He also knows and understands the agony of my hurtful memories. I can't fool him. I can't hide my true intentions from him. Even though my thought life seems hidden from others, God knows the truth about me. He knows every quirk, every habit, every custom, every little move I make and why I make it. He thought about me before I was born. He thinks about me every moment of every day. The truth is that too many times I get too busy for God, but God never gets too busy for me. That God is available implies a close, intimate, personal relationship with him is available. Brad talked to us last week just about this idea of growing in knowledge and experience and how the two of those can't be separated and how we need to ask ourselves the question of how what we are learning and experiencing about God changes the way that we relate to him in everyday life. I think that we try to limit God's availability to a quiet time when it's so much more than that. And I think a really important question for us to ask is, if God is always available, why don't I go to him more often? Why don't I take advantage of his availability? If I asked people that question, most people are going to say, because we're busy. And I think that's the easy answer. We make time for things we want to do, whether we're busy or not. So while that may be an excuse, I don't think it's an answer. I would like to suggest to you that the reason we don't take advantage of God's availability, his presence, is that we aren't comfortable with being in the presence of a God that we don't understand and can't always explain. For instance, why do we need to tell or ask God for things when He already knows everything? How can God work to save people or to protect them when they have free choice? Why does God sometimes choose to heal and sometimes choose not to? How can God protect people when Satan and evil are still active? How can God be good when such evil things happen? Is God going to answer my prayer the way I want or give me the blessings I think I need? And I'm just scratching the surface here. Those are just a few of the things that we wrestle with and don't really understand about God. I think what God wants us to know and what will change our everyday relationship with him is that it's not about getting what we want. It's about trusting him to work even when it doesn't turn out the way we want it to. It's about God changing me, not changing my circumstances. It's about a relationship. And he made himself available to us so we can develop this relationship with him. So keep the question, if God is available to me, why don't I go to him more often in the back of your mind as we're talking this morning? Because that's going to be an important question for you to answer personally. And I want to suggest to you four truths that might change how you experience his availability in your daily life. The first one is that God is available to us when we have sinned or when we've messed up or when we've fallen short or when we've made mistakes. My uncle has never liked going to the doctor, and so he just doesn't go. He doesn't really believe in medical care. He believes that going to the doctor causes sickness. His theory is if you don't go, then you don't know about it. and It just doesn't exist. Now, an interesting side note here is that my aunt is a nurse. So my aunt was recently diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive form of breast cancer. And my uncle was like, if you just hadn't gone to the doctor, if you just hadn't gone, this wouldn't have happened. Everything would be fine. And it just reaffirmed to him that when you go to the doctor, bad things happen. But the interesting thing about that is that going to the doctor probably saved my aunt's life. They caught the cancer early, and while her treatments are harsh, she will most likely recover from what could be a really horrible and terrible cancer. Had she not gone to the doctor, the disease would have spread more and more, and she would have gotten sicker and sicker. And it's the same way with not going to God when we sin. I can't tell you how many times in a week I sit with people and ask them how their relationship with God is going. And they tell me that they haven't been interacting with him because they sinned and they don't think he wants to be around them. Or because they've been distant from him for several weeks or months. And they feel too worthless to try to reconnect with him. Like he doesn't want to be with them or isn't interested and is no longer available to them. One of the things I love about the Bible is that we get to hear personal stories of people's relationship with God and what they have found to be true about him. We don't just read that God is available to us. We see how he was personally available to specific people. We see who that person believes God to be. And you can go through the Bible and you won't find this portrayal of God not being available to us when we sin. You'll find the exact opposite from people who knew him. We're going to look at several Psalms. And when I say several, I mean several. We're going to look at quite a bit of scripture this morning. And I love the psalms because it's such a beautiful picture of David's relationship with God. And it's very real. And so the first psalm I want us to start with is Psalm 51. This psalm was written after God sent Nathan the prophet to call David out on his sin. See, David had slept with one of his closest friends and soldiers' wives while this friend was out doing soldier work. And then he killed his friend, or had him killed, so that he could stay with this woman. If ever there was a time that I would think that God was unavailable to me, that would be it, or something like that. But that's not what David says is true of God. Listen to his conversation with God in Psalms 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Psalm 65 3 says, when, we're over, when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. See, David speaks of a God who wants to be available to us in our sin. He wants to convict, to forgive to cleanse, to make us better. And in Romans 5.8, Paul backs that up. He says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just take care of that from afar. He came down to be with us, to live with us. He didn't wait until we were all cleaned up and had it all together and got everything right. He was available to us while we were still sinners. And he loves us and is available to us even when we are at our worst today. The second truth is that God is available to us when we don't understand or see how he is working. And I'm going to go to Psalm 13 for this one. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. David doesn't understand what is going on, and he freely expresses that to God. He does not hold that back. Then he expresses that even though he doesn't understand, he still trusts. Because God has been good to him in the past, so he can trust he will be good to him in the present. In Psalms 42, 3 through 5, he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? But God is available to him and strengthens him. And you see David come to the point of put your hope in God for I will yet praise him at the end of that. And what David's message to us there is, why is not faith's last word? He feels free to express to God, I don't understand this. But why is not faith's last word? Hope is faith's last word. That is why God makes himself available to us when we don't understand or when we see him when we don't see him working because he wants us to have that hope. Truth number 3. God is available to us even when we are honest and real with him. At my home church, there were two older singles and when I say older I mean they were probably mid 30s to late 30s and there had been a lot of heartbreak in their lives there had been some um, addiction in their lives but they had both come to a place where they really believed in God really wanted to live for God and they both really desired to be married and so um, they found each other and they felt like God said if you want to marry one another I'm good with that and so they made that choice to get married and they decided to go to a remote area of Honduras and do mission work. They chose that specifically because of the addiction issues that are present in that area of the world and felt like that was something they could really bring healing through Christ and really speak to. They had children and one Sunday morning as they were going to church, they they would go through the bush basically and they were in a tribal area. And it had been raining, and a goat ran out in front of them and startled them, and they swerved and flipped. And the whole family was in the car, the kids and mom and dad. And everybody was okay except for the mom. And she had a severe injury and died a few days later. I attended her funeral, and her husband Bill said, he spoke at the funeral. And one of the first things he said was, I want you to know... I'm not mad at God that Kathy was killed in that car accident. She and I knew the risks we were taking living in that part of the country. We had talked many times about what would happen if one of us were killed. We were both perfectly content with meeting God at whatever point that needed to be. He said, so I am not mad at God, but what I want you to know is that if you are mad at God, My God is big enough to handle your anger. And I was in college when I attended that funeral, and that forever changed my relationship with God. Just his heartfelt telling me, God can handle your real feelings, your real emotions, what you really have to say to him. I believe our God is big enough to handle our honest, real thoughts and feelings. And I think David believed that too. In Psalms 142, 1 and 2, he said, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. In Psalms 10, I'm going to read 1 through 6 and 11 and 12. O oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I am in trouble? The wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. Let them be caught in the evil they plan for others. For they brag about their evil desires, they praise the greedy and curse the Lord. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Yet they succeed in everything they do. They do not see your punishment awaiting them. They sneer at all their enemies. They think nothing bad will ever happen to us. We will be free of trouble forever. The wicked think God isn't watching us. He has closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. See, David is expressing to God the same dilemma that we sometimes have. Is why do people who do wicked, evil things prosper when those of us that are trying to follow you are the ones that are suffering? But then he says... Arise, O Lord, punish the wicked, O God. Do not ignore the helpless. Why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think God will never call us to account. He's honest with God about what he thinks should happen. He's real with God about how he's feeling about this. See, it goes back to Psalms 139. God knows what we're going to say even before we say it. Not only does he know my thoughts, he knows them before I do and before they even start to express themselves in words in my brain. There's no need to try to hide my true thoughts from God. There's no point in trying to cover up my motives. There's no point in masking my feelings. There's no advantage to denying my true thoughts. God fully understands every aspect of my life. David asked God in many instances to search him and to know him. He didn't run away from him when he was worried about how God would perceive his real thoughts and feelings. And he considered God's absolute knowledge of every aspect of his life to be an impenetrable fortress of protection, not condemnation. David acknowledged that this intimate knowledge was not restrictive, it was not frightening. It was protective. We are intimately known and deeply loved. And often we feel that if someone really knew us, they would reject us. Well, God is fully aware of every aspect of your life, and he loves you anyway. God is not only aware of everything you face and fear, but he is available to guide you through life's maze of trouble. God is there to hold you. Let me ask you a question. Who is the only one who benefits from us believing God isn't available to the real, honest us? Satan. That's a lie of Satan. And he uses it to keep us separated from God. The truth is God is available to us just the way we are. Our real, honest selves. And we can be honest with him. The fourth truth is that God is available to us even when we can't feel Him. Psalms 22, 1 through 5. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. In the first two verses, it's pretty obvious that David doesn't feel God. He feels like God has left him. But in verses 3 through 5, he reminds himself why this is not true and why he does trust in God. He does this several times throughout this particular psalm. Brad said last week in his sermon that we often equate experiences with emotion. And I think that the opposite of that is also true. We often miss an experience because we don't feel anything. We can learn from David that the answer to not being able to feel God is to remind ourselves that he is near and he is available and to recall how he's always been there for us in the past to think of specific times and ways that he has come to our aid. God is available to us even when we can't feel him. I don't know if any of these hit on your answer to if God is available to me, why don't I go to him more. But I want to challenge you to answer that question for yourself because I think when we can answer that question It's the start of being able to change how we relate to God in our daily lives. Will you show that video clip? See, I think that God being available to us changes the way we relate to him in our daily lives, in our relationship with him, and our relationship with him will become authentic. We won't use formal religious language that means nothing to us. But we'll use real language and we'll tell him what we really care about. We'll be honest with him. We'll begin to see people in situations through his eyes and not our own. We won't reduce his availability to a quiet time that might or might not happen once or twice this week. We'll talk to him all day. We'll (coughs) see him everywhere we look. We'll look for ways to love people like him. We'll go to him when we're excited, when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're sick, when we're hurting, when we're mad. And while he may not change our circumstances, he will change us. And just a side note about that video clip. i will tell you a little bit of something about me. So when that movie came out, I would not go see that movie because it was sacrilegious and I was not going to go watch something so sacrilegious. And (laughs) And when I started prepping for this sermon and I was looking for video clips, every one of them almost was Bruce Almighty, almost every one of them. And so in watching it, I want to go back and watch the movie now. Because I'm like, okay, there may have been some things in it that were sacrilegious, but there were a whole lot of things in it that they were making fun of that we really do. And that we need to change and get better at. So yeah, maybe I'll have a Bruce Almighty uh, movie watching party and invite you guys. So in closing, I've been blessed with a wonderful mother and a wonderful mother-in-law who not only love me, But they bless me with their time and their attention whenever I go to visit with them. We talk about all kinds of things, funny things, silly things, serious things. And on our many visits, never one time did one of them reach a point and say, Okay, that's it. Time's up. You've got to go. I've got other things I've got to do. Things that are more important, that's it. That's all the time you get. Each of them gave me as much time as I wanted And God is the same way. He'll give you all the time you want. He'll never tell you he's too busy for you or that he has bigger issues than yours to contend with. He wants to shower you not only with his love and affection, but also with his comfort, encouragement, and forgiveness. He wants you to be whole, complete, and secure as you learn to trust him with every area of your life. Guys, we put our hopes and dreams and trust and faith in the wrong things and people all the time. Yet the God of the universe, who owns and controls everything, who never slumbers or sleeps, who has given everything for us and made himself available to us, we have doubts about. We must believe that God is always available, that he cares and he loves us, And we need to take advantage of that and go to him often. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.